we have political science, we have natural sciences, I guess, biological sciences. It's interesting that we never have a science of uh, revolutions and rebellions, which is a standalone sort of a program. It's usually clubbed under the misnomer of historical sciences and sort of dismissed. But if you study revolutions and rebellions and uh, rebels, I guess, you see that there is a, I guess there's a whole new dimension of human psychology down there, isn't it? Well, uh, I must say, because, uh, okay, revolutions uh, don't just suddenly come out of nowhere. No, they don't. There has to be a buildup of decades, if not centuries. Mm, they they are pre-planned. There, there have to be certain conditions that have to be there for a rebellion to occur. Mm-hmm. And I guess one of the fundamental things down here to clarify before we really get into the gist of the matter is that uh, Sardar Jagjit Singh and his uh, Percussions of History, which is a, which is sort of like an essay in a book form which establishes how the Sikhi of Guru Nanak gave birth to the Khalsa, he actually clarifies that uh, a rebel turns into a revolutionary when the rebellion or the revolt turns into a revolution. Now, the difference is that the revolution aims to change the system and supplant it. So if there is an existent system which is corrupt, and if there's a revolution against it, then the revolution will bring in a much better system. So a revolution, really a revolutionary, asks himself, what why am I fighting for freedom rather than who am I fighting for freedom from? And this long sort of a long process of thinking is what essentially defines Sikh history of the past few centuries. But the past few decades, we have never had that long, uh, long run sort of thinking heavy. It's just been whatever comes our way, we will try to deal with it. But if you look at the life of Guru Nanak Dev Ji, now he was the original buggy. Why do we call him the original buggy? Because his Bhagavat started from the day he refused the Janyu. And he initiated such a revolution, which even today, if he were to adhere wholly to the Guru Granth Sahib, fully to the Guru Granth Sahib, it would still be ongoing. Yes, indeed, that is true. And uh, we also have to remember that... Uh... The changes he brought in into his own psyche or uh, what he taught to the people, mm. those were things of basic common sense, rationality and practicality, yeah? Yes. So the, the ideas were there. Mm. But and the, uh, how do we say this in, in very simple terms? Mm. To get rid of of the useless weight people were carrying around in the form of superstitions, so-called traditions and culture. Mm, 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 mm. He brought a new way of living a life, yeah? Yes, a new way of living a life. And on that end, one thing which needs to be stated here is that today Baba Nanak has been made into a sadder-like figure. You know, as you have mentioned countless times in previous episodes, sitting on a bed and uh, sort of uh, signaling towards you, come to me, bow at my feet. But really what he was doing 
was quite dangerous. And I guess to underline that danger, that's why he uh, penned that Shabad Joto Prem Klan Ka Chau Sertar Tali Gali Muriyao because this is a game of love, uh, love of life as it should be lived in concert with Hukam. And if you were to live a life like that, a life of such love, loving liberty, loving freedom, then not only do you need to rebel against yourself, because really, as Albert Camus points out, he's one of the few uh, scholars who's actually uh, studied revolutions. His works are full of quite a lot of uh, profound insights on revolutions. The rebel rebels against themselves and become the rebellion or the revolution in order to change society. And the biggest rebellion we can do against ourselves is to master our minds, manjite jagjit, and let go of our fears and desires. Now imagine Guru Nanak down there, sitting in a society, which, as we know, even today, a religious society, a religious community, in which death was pretty much the only fruit you received if you spoke out against it, sitting down there and planning to upturn it for all time to come and then openly doing it it's just mind-blowing how brave he would have been well well i agree with you and not not just mind-blowingly for a nine-year-old to reject the janeu you have to remember that what a brilliant mind he was to to begin with Yeah. So if there's a nine-year-old and a nine-year-old has almost got no life experience. No. No. But he's just asking, this is just a, a cotton thread. Mm. How's it going to help me? Mm-hmm. And, and nobody dared to ask that question before. It's a very simple question. It's a very simple observation. It's just a cotton thread. How is this a piece of thread going to save me? That's that's quite an interesting um thing because here's something uh which that uh because you know we have pretty much um those few events from our history which we should have been studying profoundly we have usually dismissed them in pursuit of miraculous sakis, but you know that society at the time valued the Janu as a key to heaven or you know moksha or liberation whatever it was, it was a value of that society. Not every value entails rebellion, but every act of rebellion invokes a value. Now, that genu did not invoke, uh, it did not entail a rebellion on anyone's part who wore it. But for Guru Nanak Dev to refuse it, that is every act of rebellion invokes a value. The value he invoked was that we all deserve to be free from superstition and dogma. Well, that but it, unfortunately for us the mm. number of superstitions and dogmas we have in Sikhi today I think it exceeds what the Hindus had in those times yeah yeah I agree you, you know uh, not too uh, I, I distinctly remember a woman a, a Sikh woman Amradari yes and uh, going to the Gurdwara doing part and everything yeah Yes. And uh, I have washed my hair on a Tuesday. Hmm. And she shouted me. <laughs> so you never wash your hair on Tuesday. I said, what's the difference? Hmm. So a person who on the surface looks uh, 
a very pious Sikh. Mm. She was observing more superstitions than uh, mm. probably a, a tribal uh, a 2,000 years ago in the forest. Mm. So just imagine that how much degradation of our identity it took to arrive at this point that even a certain days of the week are cursed. Where Gurbani tells us just about everything is pure and pristine. And, you know, a rebel, because a rebel transcends into a revolutionary. Now, the term for revolutionary and rebel, I believe, in Punjabi is pretty much the one and same, the colloquial um, buggy. Yeah, yeah, for, for both, yeah. And we have the buggy or badsha, uh, I guess, now it's become a stereotype. Now, Amazingly enough, one thing which we never learned was that buggy and bloodshed does not necessarily have to be done through weapons. Well, uh, if you make a point about I am either the ruler or yep. I'm either a rebel, hmm. if you have this attitude, you are unfit to live in the 21st century. Because let's say you and I in New Zealand, New Zealand yep. is not a Khaltaraj. No. And uh, we are not rebels there. No. So if if a seeker in America they say okay America is not a Khalsa it's a constitutional republic. Mm. So we are not the badshahs there, we're not the kings there, we're not the rulers there. Yep. Try being a rebel in America. Uh, what are you they, rebelling against? They, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how this attitude came about. There is one more thing. I think uh, uh, that was from Yuri Bezmenov or. Or Jordan Peterson, it was a few years ago, few years ago I don't remember, I remember exactly. Yes. That the people at the base of the revolution are always replaced. Mm, mm, mm. Because the next person will simply come when the hard work has been done. To take credit. Not just to take credit. Mm. They will simply say that you have lost the way. Hmm. That if 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 this is so called a Marxist revolution, he would claim yep. to be more Marxist than you. As as we have today, that there are Sikhs who are claiming they're more Sikhs than the others. Yeah, but well, of, of course, that's exactly where I was arriving at. Yeah, but if you look at it, their version of Sikhi is essentially quite corrupt. It takes us back to superstition and dogma rather than freeing us from it. Uh, uh, I think uh, the example I gave was from George Orwell, uh, 1984, I think. Yes. Oh, sorry, Animal Farm. Yes, yes. So the animals and their liberation, the pigs as, at the end conclusively become the new humans who had initially enslaved them. And I must, uh, I must uh, tell you this, that, that the first real revolution, the French Revolution. Yes. Do you know after the so-called revolution in 1789, how many revolutions they have had? How many? Well, currently it's the fifth French Republic, and we have our French kingdoms uh, in between, like three or four. Mm. So really what it is is that I remember reading with Sardar Jagjit Singh that uh, the initial French Revolution, they never had the concept of fraternity. That was actually redone later by historians to add in a fraternity because really what it was was liberty, it was equality. 
but it was deemed that only the upper classes, the light or the middle classes are actually uh, capable of preserving the liberty and the equality, which the lower classes aren't capable of doing. But you come down to India now, India in compare the subcontinent in comparison with Europe at that time would have been uh, considered primitive, uh, would have been considered backwards. But here's Guru Nanak now. Of course, we can say Gurbani has no scientific innovations and it does not mention scientific facts. But the yardstick with which to judge Gurbani is how much it frees us in comparison with other texts to use our brains. And here Guru Nanak Dev Ji is giving us the concept of fraternity. He's saying, okay, so you're liberated. You're a body of equals. You also need to have this fraternity within yourself. You know that, uh, and that takes us back to another aspect of um, rebellions. Because, you know, the rebel is a man who says no, but whose refusal does not imply renunciation. So Guru Nanak Dev Ji said no to contemporary society, but he never left it. Now, when Cheme Pacha Guru Hargobind Sahib Ji meets uh, Samrath Ramdas in uh, Kiratpur Sahib, Samrath Ramdas says to the sixth Guru, he inquires that, you know, I've heard Baba Nanak never lifted the sword in his life and you go hunting, you dreads as a prince. And uh, Guru Hargobind Sahib Ji laughed and said to him, Baba Nanak left the ways of the world, but Baba Nanak did not leave the world itself like you. Now, why... I guess a rebellion to succeed, the rebel actually has to confirm to a criteria. But a rebellion is not essentially an egoistic act. We can't say that Guru Nanak Dev Ji refused the Janu only for himself. Essentially, he refused it for humanity. When he rebels, a man identifies himself with other men and so surpasses himself. And from this point of view, human solidarity is metaphysical. So the guru was already on a metaphysical level regarding his rebellion, which the others, like which today, us, we have failed to see that that concept of fraternity, which he envisioned was that everyone was equally liberated, mentally at least, to pursue, uh, I guess, a good and beneficial life for themselves and for others. But we have just dismissed all that in the rebellion, which Guru Nanak Dev Ji, we don't even call it a rebellion anymore. We just sort of try making it out to be just another religious act in a world full of religions and casually dismiss it. True. And I mean, our version of Baba Nanak is the man holding a hand to a rock. And if someone asks, well, if Bali Kandari threw a rock down from the mountain that day, where is that mountain today? And that uh, if there was a river, down, a stream down there, and Baba Nanak told Mardana to go up the mountain and ask him for the water from that stream. Now, here's an interesting thing. Water always flows downwards. It never goes up against gravity. So why couldn't Mardana have gone to a lower point and taken some water? That's what the older Saki say. So the newer version is that, no, 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 there was no river, there was a well. But you see the contradictions, and if we ignore the contradictions, we are not doing justice to Baba Nanak. Hmm. That Bhagavat, that status as a buggy, as a rebel, that's just being muted straight away. Uh, I'd like to make a point here. Yep. Is it easier to live uh, an easier life within the system or the established system by changing yourself? Or is it easier to totally go against it and enter into a fight 
either physical or social hmm. and uh, with no guaranteed of a fruitful result how how would you answer that what i'm trying to make a point is that most people for well, not hmm. most of vast majority of them hmm. would act, are so dependent on the system when i when i use the word system i do mean the established norms of the society yes so what society yeah. follows yeah yeah so dependent they would that they would they would fight to protect it without thinking critically about it mm mm you're right so in this case baba nanak must have had a lot of people who were totally against him what he preached and everything and over mm. the subsequent uh, centuries or decades or, or even uh, even up to today mm they would have tried very hard to change the image of baba nanak now you know that story that he was at his wedding and someone tried throwing a wall onto him and he touched it and said this wall will remain here for centuries apparently there's a gurdwara in pakistan with a wall preserved like that or something uh wait is it in pakistan or is it in gurdaspur somewhere well i can't really remember it must be in gurdaspur then well i mean here's the thing they tried throwing a wall onto him to kill him the people who opposed him the religious clergy the brahmans the mullahs everyone at that time when the wall maybe he survived maybe he walked out from underneath the rebel or maybe the wall never fell on him but look at how they decided they must have sat down and thought look how can we get rid of him forever how can we get rid of his image how can we sully that image let's just look at his teachings he doesn't believe in miracles we will claim after he died that the miracle happened down here and in that way we will ideologically neuter his followers and now there are people going and bowing to that wall and here in gurbani it's saying no matter how much you bow to walls no matter how much you bow to rocks whatever affiliations or sentiments you attach to them you're going to get nothing out of it well that's a tragedy we we were discussing earlier a few days ago Yes and look at how successful they were in finally uh hitting Baba Nanak after his death. That spirit of Bhagavat that status as a bhagi. I mean I don't believe Guru Nanak today. I believe he would have had a quite a quite a steely gaze. This was a man, I guess Baba Nanak was an individual who was very firm in his convictions when he said no it would be a no when he said yes it would be a yes the world could be destroyed but he would never change his stance and you know they, you know uh, uh, i'm a bit silent today because this is a very interesting topic and there are far too many points in my mind i'm just i'm just thinking <laughs> about Yes, because this has never been studied before, has it? No one's actually seen it from this view. Because I mean, the buggy and bacha thing has only been Guru Har Gobind Sahib Ji, Guru Harai Ji, and Guru Gobind Singh Ji. But if you look at it, Baba Nanak was the first buggy. Uh, I think to critically understand the life of uh, Guru Nanak, uh, this attempt has never been made uh, to to the general public, at least. No, it hasn't been made, and I'm surprised that quite a lot of our scholars, authors, gyanis, pracharaks, who we consider quite um, quite astute or you know, quite uh, 
far away from what the mainstream believes other than uh, a Jeet saying no one else has actually uh, made that effort to say that, wait a second, Baba Nanak was also a rebel, but his was an ideological rebellion and that rebellion gave rise to a physical, uh, ideological revolution, sorry, and that gave rise to several physical revolutions and even now it is a revolution waiting to happen because you know why Baba Nanak's revolution is very dangerous? To the established orders? Well, quite a few places. When we are talking about liberty and freedom, to the paradox here is this freedom from something, but to preserve that freedom, we need laws and regulations. Uh, so that's the paradox. That, that's the paradox. Now, really how the cycle starts again is depending on how those rules and regulations are corrupted. Bandar Singh Bhadr liberated Sirhand. A few days later, they saw quite a lot of wanton killing and destruction of Muslim and Hindu property by the lower castes and the non-Sunni Muslims. So they made a new law that not even a dog was going to be harmed on the streets of Sirhand. If you killed a dog at that time in Sirhand, the Sikhs would come and hang you. And this was something I reported to the emperor at the time, Bhadr Shah, in his uh, daily intelligence briefings. And now... To ensure you have freedom, freedom is one of those things which can easily, easily lead to chaos. You are free. You want others to be free. You can easily uh, destroy any significant or a positive system and, you know, like render everything chaos. Okay. To, to quote something here, there, there is a fine line between a free person and a feral person. Yes. So the difference is minute. Hmm, hmm. But there is a difference. There is a, a very important difference, but the difference is very small. And people hmm. often can confuse one for the other. Yes. And see, here, getting back to that initial point I mentioned, Baba Nanak asked, did not ask. See, the first question Baba Nanak sat down and asked himself is, look, what, do the, what, do, what does humanity need freedom from? Who does it need freedom from? The second question is, freedom why do why does it need that freedom and that's exactly what Banda Singh brother would have asked himself so right we are getting freedom from the Mughals why do we need freedom from the Mughals and when you ask yourself why you need that freedom why you want others to be free why they should partake of that freedom that independence then you realize that to ensure people pursue whatever it is you want them to pursue post freedom post revolution you need some sort of a criteria or framework to ensure that they're not suppressed again and that entails quite a massive sacrifice on your part that you don't become a dictator or an autocrat. Hmm. And see, look at Guru Nanak. All revolutions, look, all significant religious happenings at the time, if you look at the 15 Pagats, they were never able to choose any able successes or think, you know, outside the box that, you know, we are leading a revolution. And here Guru Nanak Dev Ji has asked himself, look, we are getting freedom from religion, uh, you know, conventional religion. Why are we getting this freedom? So we can use our brains and live in concert with Hukam. Now, how do I ensure that my revolution continues? So he had two alternatives. One, he could have himself deified and choose his uh, offspring to become religious leaders, you know, keep it in the family. But he actually went out and chose a humble Sikh, Lena, who he made into Angad, Guru Angad Dev Ji and chose him to lead his revolution forward 
and not Shri Chand and Lakmi Das, who were corrupt at the time. But even if they weren't corrupt, Baba Nanak would have never chosen them because he knew that he had to choose the common men who he was fighting for to lead the revolution. Well, your relation or your descent has, has got nothing to do with your abilities. What was the risk? What you were fighting for? Someone who had experienced that, only that person could have succeeded him. And that was by Lena. Yep. So the point is the point is very simple. He had mm. to choose somebody who understood him, understood mm. his path, yep. and was capable of continuing it. Why? See, we respect Baba Nanak because from my perspective, Baba Nanak was a, revo a revolutionary. We respect him because of his revolution. So he's reached that stage today where, there, where he's synonymous with his revolution. He's synonymous with Sikhi. He had to choose a successor who was equally steeped in that revolution and who would or who could become synonymous with it in time. The day Guru Gobind Singh Ji took Amrit from the uh, Panj uh, Sikhs, the Panj Piyari, the first Panj Piyari. And? He, he dissolved, you know, the office of the Guru had the final say. So anything that you, the Sangat wanted passed, they would go to the Guru and the Guru would say yes or no. But that day he dissolved that uh, presidential authority right into the body of the Khalsa. He made the Khalsa capable of taking its own decisions. The Khalsa was the authority. It had become the revolution. But unfortunately, today, as we see, it's very far from the revolution which it inherited. And that, I guess, is our tragedy at the moment, how far we have fallen. And while revolutions might fail in the long run, the Sikh revolution was made foolproof until or unless the Sikhs diverted from their essence, their identity in the Guru Granth Sahib, and we have done that, haven't we? Uh, well, well, the answer is of course, and obviously resounding yes, but but I'm going to ask you a question that's going to be a little bit tricky to answer. Yep. Have we understood what exactly did the Gurus envisioned? Because that's a very key part to understanding what exactly who, who they were and what they wanted to do. So essentially, we are asking why Sikhi? Uh, you could say that, yes. Hmm. Or, or even what exactly is Sikhi? Mm -hmm. And I guess over the past 200 years, since the corruption of the missiles and uh, down to you know, Maharaja Ranjit Singh and afterwards, that's a point which has eluded many people. So if, if I were to go to, let's say, an average Sikh in either Punjab or, or outside, outside mm. India even, if you ask them, what is Sikhi? They won't be able to answer it. I guarantee you. Mm -hmm. I guess how they, I would classify... Might, yes? They might give you a, the textbook answer. Okay, Sikhi was started by Guru Nanak, then there were 10 Gurus, then we have Guru Granth Sahib. Then we have our, have our history, and then blah, 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 and then we have what's today. So we have the how, but not the why. Oh, sorry, say it again, please. So they can tell us, they can give us the how, but not the why. 
Yeah, yeah, how and why? Yeah, yeah, simply, yeah. Mm. And and uh, the way I see it, uh, 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 this is one of the basic reasons why a lot many of so-called Sikh scholars and Sikh debaters they always lose. Mm. And uh, we, we have to come down to the level of other people who have, how do I say, things to explain that sound more attractive and are easier to understand and believe because that's, that's what, how normal people are than to totally rationalize and explain your own point. You, you have to, sometimes people do this, which I totally disagree with. They mm. have to associate miracles and with the Guru Sahibs and miracles with the Gurbani. Essentially confirming to conventional society, which again we see Guru Nanak Dev reviews to do, but we are doing. So you, you have to come down to the level, level of the pig and fight it in the mud where the pig <laughs> lives. Yep, fight with the swine right in the muck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have to start dirty if someone's using dirty tactics and you're actually fighting for the truth, you might as well get down and dirty yourself. Because in this case, I guess the means, I guess the ends justify the means. Well, for a lot of people, uh, that's the way of life. So I, mm. I just want to live, uh, just want to live. Okay, L uh, let me give you another, because we are talking about uh, the revolution of Guru Nanak. We, uh, yes. Let's talk about, talk about the original revolution, the American one here. Yeah? Okay, yep. And uh, you must have seen those 3% flags. Have you seen them? Yes. Do you know what they mean? No, I don't know what they mean. It's a belief that only 3% of Americans actually fought against the British crown. Mm-hmm. And uh, they say about 15 or 20% fought for them or maybe mm. contributed to their war effort. Mm. And the vast majority was simply leave me alone. So neutral and partial, really? Uh, no, no, no. Not impartial or neutral. Just leave me alone. Uh, I have my small farm or whatever. I'm mm. working on it. I have no interest I was paying tax to the British Crown. Now I will pay tax to the Republic. Leave me alone. How would you define that, that dissociation from life? Uh, it's, it's uh, how do I say? I don't want to take risk. I don't want to indulge in anything that takes me away from my, my personal life, my personal responsibilities. Hmm. So leave me alone. And that connects to the point I made earlier. People are so dependent on the system that they will fight to protect it. Mm -hmm. they, will, they will not uh, attempt to change it themselves. And they will, nope. even under a new system, they will try altering it to reflect the old system. Yes, and this is one of the reasons why a very small number of Sikhs actually succeeded, succeeded in taking control of Punjab. And... On that very point, I'd make a comment down here, which I believe is very relevant. You know, if you look at Baba Nanak's times, the Sikhs as a community, they have only been few in numbers when they've succeeded. Yeah. And one thing which we see from reading Banda Singh Bahadur's last few days is that after Banda Singh Bahadur is actually martyred in Delhi, 
a majority of his forces, they cut off their hairs and went back to their ancestral faiths because one, they did not have the conviction to follow him and continue his uh, battle. Two, they did not have the conviction to follow Sikhi. Three, they were only in it for themselves. Their profits achieved, realizing that, you know, now their side had essentially uh, been defeated. They just went back to uh, what they were uh, essentially uh, believing in and doing initially. So on that very thing, look at Baba Nanak's revolution. It's only been that you can say 3% which have done anything to continue that revolution. All the rest have just been observers or hanger-ons trying to profit off the hard works of others. Well, uh, yeah. And uh, I'd like to make a point here. Hmm. By blood or by my ancestry, I'm a Jatta. Okay, yep. And this is true that a very large number of Jats actually converted to Tsikki after the hard work was done. Mm-hmm. When they simply say, okay, Sikhs are the masters of the land now. Mm. They are conquering new areas and they are establishing uh, their own uh, systems. Yes. And uh, to, to become landowners, to, to become Jagirdas, to, to become the Chaudhuris, mm. they will simply say, okay, I'll simply convert to the key and I'll become the, the landowner. Mm-hmm. But it's only when that'll be, yeah. Andy, when trying times come along, you realize who's actually really authentically a Sikh and who's just in it for themselves. Yeah, and uh, you can see that today, the, that, that attitude, that, that, that approach to life, that uh, today uh, in Sikhi or in the Sikh society, nobody's uh, more aloof from Sikhi than the Jat community. Mm. I am one of them. They are my people, <laughs> but that's true. You, you can read the old British census from 1891, I think, or 1881, the first one. Yeah, I think 81. And then, yeah, and there is a large number of Hindu Sikhs in, oh, sorry, Hindu Jats in Punjab. Mm. And Do after think... 1931, yeah. uh, that was the last census. You don't, you don't find many of them. No, and when Baba Nanak established Kartarpur, now see, this is something very interesting. When we discuss, you know, laws and regulations, rules and regulations, everyone will tell you there should be laws, right? There should be a framework for dispensing justice. There should, you know, be a framework for, you know, cleaning the streets, keeping the cars in line and everything. You know, do you agree that everyone will say that? Uh, put your point across again, please. Yep. So everyone says that there should be laws you know laws and regulations but one thing if you look at the people on the subcontinent particularly punjabis they will say there should be laws and regulations but they should not apply to me they should apply to all the others except me well and yeah, yep. true yeah and this very attitude would have been quite evident when guru nanak established kartarpur because under his authority everyone was treated fairly and equally but Kartarpur only remained that little village which finally developed into a city towards the towards his last days. But really, not many people went down there because, one, they would have found what he was doing really strange, quite uh, offensive to their religious sentiments like caste and sharia. But on <laughs> the other hand, they would have realized that what he's saying actually entails rebelling against ourselves, sacrificing our ego to live in a society where everyone is the one and the same. 
that would have been something they couldn't have tolerated, and that's something which many Sikhs don't even tolerate today. If you give a shower to a pig, a mm. bull, <laughs> I guarantee you it will go back into the mud. It will. It definitely will. So there is no point trying to win over those people when you know they will go back to their original ways. Mm-hmm. But I guess now those people are quite dominant in the, I guess in the Nanakin and the Sikh revolution, that attitude has derailed it quite uh, quite significantly. You know, now it's really become that whoever does, you know, so-and-so takes Aramala to the Gurdwara, gives the most money, holds the most longer. They are actually the true Sikhs. We're in Baba Nanak size, if you look at Gurbani. If you only live for living's sake, you have achieved nothing. All you touch and do is a sin. He actually wanted revolutionaries who pushed the boundaries, who rebelled against themselves, because to be a rebel, you need to rebel against yourself and then rebel against others. Now, well, yeah. you know that... Uh, the, yep. the, the, the first step in a rebellion is self-sacrifice. Self-sacrifice. And you look at that Shabbat we referred to, Joto Prem Klanka Now, you have it referenced in movies when the hero goes to fight someone. You, I even saw a movie recently, a Punjabi movie, Ramta Jogi, where it's about, you know, the usual girl runs away with boy, boy runs away with girl. They sort of get, the boy gets killed at the end by the girl's family and uh, she sort of uh, goes crazy and then, uh, you know, her daughter takes over the narration and she says even Baba Nanak said, Joto Prem Kalan Ka Chau, you know, just to say that, you know, Baba Nanak justifies romance. <laughs> no. The word prem here is uh, just uh, between a girl and a boy eh, in this context. Yes, in this context. And then uh, I guess if you remember, it was back in a 2011-ish, a white couple were caught kissing in the their bar side. And their defense too was the same Joto Prem Kalan <laughs> I don't even know how to answer that. Uh, what to say about this? I don't, I don't even know, honestly. Hmm. But see, significantly, that prem has been misinterpreted because what that prem, that love signifies is a love of everything around you, a love of divine attributes, and for them, you sacrifice your own ego to live a life which you can love. So the first rebellion is against yourself. So you you must be the change you want to see in the world? Now, it's really easy to make those types of statements, you know, in a hollow fashion. But really, if you're saying you must be the change you want to see in the world, at the same time, you must remember you must be willing to sacrifice your own views for the greater good. Hmm. I mean, if I was a leader of a revolution or a rebellion, and if I know that someone else is more capable than me, then it makes sense for me to step down and let them take over rather than just keep fighting to remain the head honcho. Well, that is something that usually happens. Uh, you, you make a good point here. That's, that's something that usually happens. I mean, during his own lifetime, Satya and Balwanda and Gurbani tell us during his own lifetime, Baba stepped down and uh, made the mark of divine kingship on Guru Angad's head. He made him Guru while he was still alive. And I guess yeah. if someone else had been in that position... See, Guru Nanak, you know, he, we call him divine or whatever. He was still, you know, bound by the, just about like every other prophet and saint. He had a human body. He was bound by mortal norms. 
he knew that his revolution, like what he wanted to do, what he wanted to start had been done. His lifespan was finishing. He might as well give it to someone else to lead while he was alive. So he could, you know, watch their conduct, ensure that they successfully carried out his revolution. And that act of stepping down would have taken quite a lot of uh, great sacrifice on his part. But I bet you that if anyone else had been on that position, they would never have done it. Jesus never stepped down during his own lifetime. The Prophet Muhammad never did. No one did except Guru Nanak. He stepped down and regularized the status of his followers to lead his revolution rather than uh, conduct it up till his last days. That reminds me of something. I think it's a little example that people can readily understand. The listeners yes. can readily understand. Uh, I used to watch that, that British show called QI. Yes. <laughs> uh, Stephen Fry, yeah? Yes. And he gave an example of a Renaissance painter somewhere uh, in, in Europe. And uh, one of his students uh, made a painting, yeah? Yes. And the painting was better than his own. Okay. And that painter, in his own mind, thought that uh, this student has surpassed me. And hmm. that, that, that very moment, that very place, that painter, the master, broke his brush and never painted again. Amazing. So the point we are, uh, this is that self-sacrifice that I have been surpassed. Now you, uh, how do we say no, no, you are the primo in the field. You are the best in the field. You, uh, you have surpassed me. You're better than me. I give up. The apprentice becomes the master and the master fades away. The master rightfully chooses to walk into a darkness away. Okay, my work here is done. Now you lead on. And these are all acts of self-rebellion, rebellion against yourself. See, if you look at all the 10 gurus, they rebelled against themselves to be able to lead the revolution. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And today, I guess when we look at the Khalsa, if the Khalsa is to be the Khalsa, to lead the Khalsa revolution, it needs to rebel against itself, each and every member. They need to sit down and introspectively ask what we are doing, why we are doing it, because really the Khalsa today has become some sort of a saintly body where it was supposed to be more. Well, much, much more than that. Yeah, that's for sure. Yep. Uh, answer me this. Yes. A leader of anything. Yes. Should he? Uh, should the leader step down and give up his power or whatever hmm. and live long enough to see the consequences of his own actions or inactions? Because this point, I, I had read, read it in school a long time ago. Yeah? Yep. Yep. That you must live to see the consequences of your actions or inactions. That if well, I'm what... making a, yep. a, a, a decision today, yeah? Yes. What are the consequences of it? I must live to see it. Mm -hmm. I guess with Guru Nanak, he did live to see them. If you look at Kartarpur, the flourishing of yep. Kartarpur and the yep. success yep. of Pai Lena. But essentially, that's a point sort of hidden away in our history today, which mythologizes him that he decided, oh, yep, that's it. My ticket to heaven is done. I'm leaving. My ticket to heaven is done. I'm leaving. It's stamped. It's the first class ticket one way. <laughs> <laughs> and 
the irony down here is all this mythologizing has hidden the real Baba Nanak. You know, there is the revolutionary Baba Nanak, and then there is the saintly, the miraculous, the pacifist, the sotric, the mystical. You have so many uh, Baba Nanaks running around that the real one has been hidden for so long. But if you read his words in Gurbani, they would shake you to the core. There is one Baba Nanak who has lived a very comfortable life and he has been doing miracles. And, yep, there, is and, he, another, uh, yep. and there is another Baba Nanak, closer mm. to reality, mm. who I think must have had bad legs because he walked all over the world. <laughs> he a must Baba have had Nanak. very yep. rough heads because he was a farmer. Mm. A Baba I, Nanak who woke up in the morning and went to work in the rain in the sun, probably with a brown uh, sun-beaten skin, like you said, blisters on the hands, on the feet, and who never complained, and who would have worked up quite a sweat. And then there's the other one who seemed to be carrying this cushion set around in the jungles as well to sit down comfortably. Yep, and with the two loyal people around him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, I yep. must ask you this question as well. Yes. Do we have any idea, any idea that how many people actually became became the Sikhs of Guru Nanak? Some people say it was two crore or three, three crore. Even. I, I've read it many times on Facebook and sometimes even in the books too. I would say that initially during his lifetime, it would have been a very small number because, I mean, even now people can't grasp his res, uh, revolutionary tendencies. So how could they have done it then when the Pujariwad was right at the peak of its power? I, uh, I think it might have happened, but over 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 the generations, his message could have been diluted, because what the what the grandfather believes is is not essential that the grandson or the grandchildren would believe the same thing. Mm-hmm. And that's why from the start he identified Gyan and Shabad as Guru. See now, in the Quran you have Muhammad join people to himself that I'm the last prophet. Believe what I say if you want to get to Allah. We no, don't have the Quran. No, no, no. If you want yep. to live. If, okay, I'll take that as well. You have something similar with uh, Jesus that, you know, I'm the way to God. But then you look at Guru Nanak Dev, you know, the term Guru was attached to his name because he taught about the true Guru, the true Satguru, the real Vahiguru, which was Gyan. He never joined people to his physical self, but to his ideals, his tenets, his principles. He made people into Nanaks. Nanak made people into Nanaks. Do you really understand what I'm saying? Yep, equal. Yep, and, so, and, uh, unfortunately for us, we have elevated all our gurus to such a superhuman level. They will simply say, okay, they were sent by God. We can never be like them. Yep. Now, on, Their yep. qualities are godly and we are just mere mortals. So we can't mm. have them. On one hand, we have Baba Nanak grabbing the pundit's hand and asking about the Janyu. On the other hand, we have the same Baba Nanak going into a mosque and criticizing the Islamic prayers. On the third hand, the same Baba Nanak is calling Baba a tyrant, right? Yep. The day he refused to wear a Janu, as per the Vedic norms, the caste norms, if you are not confirmed in your caste through such ceremonies, you become outside the caste system, and anyone who's outside the caste system is essentially subhuman and a barbarian. Yes, a shudra. A shudra. Um, no, worse than a shudra because a shudra is at the lowest rung of the caste system, but a shudra is inside the system, not outside the system. 
Mm, yep, yep. And such a person who's castless, now that's a term I've just thought of, castless, a castless person is afflicted with this contagion of castlessness. He afflicts others as well. So if a shadow falls on your food, if he talks to you or anything, you get that uh, disease from him of castlessness. Guru Nanak knew that. So he started langar. You had to eat langar from the hands of his loyal hand-picked cooks who were in a contact with him, who were castless. This way you lost your own caste. You came to meet him, came to talk with him. He pretty much became the carrier of the castless virus and spread it all over. Uh, and that uh, spirit is reflected in Guru Angad Dev Ji. Now, Guru Angad Dev Ji is castless. He passes it on to the subsequent gurus. But on the other hand, if you look at it, Guru Angad Dev Ji is still questioning all the religious clergies, uh, you know, taking a stand against Babur's descendants. Just look at how all these uh, Nanaks started. And that's why I believe they identified themse themselves as Nanak and the Gurbani, because they were essentially copying Guru Nanak Dev Ji. And Guru Gobind Singh Ji not only ratified Sikhi, he made a whole society full of Nanaks, which he called the Khalsa, because Nanak was the original Khalsa. Agree, true. Because, you know, today we are saying the Panchakakars are, you know, like an absolute part of the Khalsa. They're the markers of the Khalsa identity. There is nothing, uh, I guess, religious about them in themselves. But even those symbols are fundamentally rooted in Guru Nanak Dev Ji's uh, principles. But the Khalsa is someone who's a Khalsa from the inside. Now look at Bhai Taru Singh Ji. His Kakars are taken away from him. But the Khalsa spirit, that Nanak spirit of never giving up and persevering is still inside him when his scalp is you know, taken off his head. And you can be like Nanak from the outside, but the main challenge is, are you like him from the inside? That is a challenge. And, uh, that's, that's the point I was trying to make when I was, I was yeah. earlier asking that how many people actually understand what Sikh is, who exactly was Guru Nanak, Baba Nanak, who exactly was he? Hmm. I, I don't want the, the date. I don't want who his, who his parents were. No, no interest uh, in his in his uh, in his uh, children or progeny. Hmm. Who exactly was he as a person? We have never discussed it. No, we haven't. No. And, now, and that's a, that, that's a shame, actually. Mm -hmm. Now, people would have called him stubborn. That he's too stubborn. People would have called him a troublemaker. I'm sure they would have physically tried assaulting him. Many times he would have been dragged in front of the authorities, but he always stuck to his guns. Well, uh, I do agree. We, we had to recognize that Gurnarg was a rebel. Yep. But he's not a saint like Buddha, yeah? Yeah, no, that, that's right. And that's what we have unfortunately made him out to be. And from that image has spanned a whole lot of uh, history, which is quite antithetical to what we as Sikhs believe. It's the antithesis of what Guru Nanak taught us. I think because Sikhi uh, is established today, yeah? Mm -hmm. It's much, much easier to just follow the system and uh, uh, for the people whose res responsibility it is to explain Sikhi to us, yeah? The, the Granthi in the, in the Gurdwara, the Pracharak and everything, yeah? Yes. 
for them, it's much easier to just go with the flow mm. and uh, live a good life by, because uh, it earns them a lot of money. It's, it's a case of you're telling people what they want to hear rather than what they need to hear. Yep. You make my point yeah. much clearer. Yep. Yep. And that's why Baba Nanak faced such um, opposition during his own lifetime, even from his sons, because people did not want to hear the truth. But he, he had to tell them the truth because the truth would set them free. And the rest is really up to acceptance. But that's why anyone in life has really failed, um, not failed, I mean faced opposition. Because, you know, when you tell people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear, you're busting quite a lot of myths they have about themselves, about the world they live in, and their uh, views of society and everything else which they interact with. They wouldn't tolerate it, but the truth at the end of the day is what triumphs. It usually does, but it takes a lot of time for it to triumph. And in the, in the meanwhile, people are just kept in the dark with a very intricate system. Hmm. Now, look at the buggy Nanak, the revolutionary Guru Nanak, the rebel Nanak. Babur comes along. He, I'm sure Guru Nanak would have actually taken part in the defense of Sedpur. He would have, uh, you know, fought against the Mughals. Babur comes along and Guru Nanak writes the Babur, uh, Baburvani and the Guru Granth Sahib as, you know, as a personalized experience of what he witnessed. And in that, he criticizes both Hindus and Muslims that no matter what religious rituals you did, no matter what prayers you said, no matter who you offered donations and charities to, no matter what you did in the name of religion and in the name of God, at the end of the day, the Mughal sword proved more stronger. Mughal cannons, more like. The first use of cannons in India was Babur. Yep, Mughal... The, Essentially, the Mughals proved more stronger than you. So what use is it for you to indulge in these uh, dramas, these charades, which make you weak nationally and, you know, politically, which kill your mind, deaden your resolve? Had you been more active, more proactive, you would have, you know, always prepared for a day like this. But because you didn't, your woman folk were dishonored outside in the markets. You say that the low caste is the one who's done bad karma. But look at what Baba did. He made everyone recipient of bad karma. Do you think Baba Nanak would have been vindicated well, with the invasion of a Babur? I think many people would have realized that this man who we thought was crazy, this man who we thought was a troublemaker, this man who's too stubborn, who we thought was a, you know, instigator, he actually had a point all along. But all, you know what would have been the good thing about it? Because... Uh, uh, Babur arrived in India in the year 1526, yeah? Yes. And Babur left this world in 1539, so 30 years later. Yep. And, but you know what would the, what the great thing about Baba Nanak would have been? Like the image we get from his uh, uh, writings in Gurbani, the Gurbani? He would never have said, I told you so. Well, yeah, yeah of course. There was no showboating. No, he would have said, okay, look, it's happened. The milk has been spilt. Now we need to plan ahead to clean up the mess and ensure this never happens again. Hmm. And do we have any idea when was the, uh, the city or the village of Kartarpur established? It is usually said towards the end of his life, but I'll tell you something. 
there is a massive conspiracy against Sikh history and the systems we have today would never will never love for us to uh, realize the ins and outs of how Kartarpur was established because if people you know find out about that they would suddenly start questioning the system that wait if it could be done like this 500 years ago why can't we do something similar with all the technology we have today mm-hmm. all the insights we have received in that time but the biggest insight is that you know as we made that point the laws if they are to be equally uh, i guess implemented they will be the same for you as for someone else not that you know someone else gets the speeding ticket and not you <laughs> oh yep now there is a parable which is told that you know guru gobind singh ji later arrow down at the shrine of dadu and the khalsa instantly uh, penalized him and the guru said i just wanted to test that whether you would you know also call out someone in my position if they uh, seem to be going a different way than what they said they would be doing now whether it's real or not i don't know but i think it reflects how how equal that fraternity was initially in its day you know how dedicated to guru nanak's tenets that no one was above the other actually uh to even think about uh such a social order what would happen in kartarpur it's nearly mm. impossible even today it is it essentially is uh impossible today i mean from what we know of it what has come down to us in snippets kartarpur was really the promised land uh for what well, was for sikhs uh, indeed for Sikhs and I guess for anyone else who actually wanted to change who actually wanted to confirm to the Jotho Prem clan Kachau but really as they say it was essentially a village and then only became a city and that just goes to show you how less how uh, only a small percentage of people were actually willing to rebel against themselves rebel against their beliefs their societies their communities their religions uh, their governments and come and settle at Kartarpur which was a new order nonetheless it should have been a template today which it isn't the po- uh what's more painful to us as sikhs is that uh, the people who have actually moved out of india yeah yes now they have access to well the, they live in a world where they are how do i say not oppressed Hmm. and they don't live under the shadow of a majority which traditionally has been very different to your theology yep and even the sikhs uh, who live in the west well the so called west yes in an effort to preserve their identity hmm they are holding on to some traditions some beliefs and some uh, styles that should have been abandoned a long time ago mhm purged okay. from within the psyche no uh, well the point i'm trying to make is they want to preserve their identity and they they want to be who they are yeah they don't want to yes. dissolve dissolve into the new world yep oh yes i understand what you mean so in an effort to preserve who they are Hmm. they've actually how do i say p- picked up 
items that don't belong to them. Mm -hmm. You can see, if you go online, if you go on social media or something, even if you go to the comments or, or, or on YouTube videos related to sick and everything, yep. people are having, well, these worlds are going to be harsh. So stupid beliefs. People who yes. live in the world, people who grew up in the West and everything. Yes. You are forced to think if, if you have broken free from uh, the religious life in India and you live in yes. the West, which is secular, non-religious, non-religious increasingly. Yes. Still, you are stuck in the same muck. The people, mm -hmm. the Sikhs in the West should have been, how do you say, a source of inspiration for us that they have freed themselves on religious mm. dogma, and they have, they are the actually the true descendant of the Sikhs. They are walking the path of the Nanak, and we have diverged from it. They should have been our a, a beacon for us, yeah. The torchbearers. Yeah, but they are not. Hmm. See another. Uh point which it is necessary to make here and I'm sure you will agree and most of the uh, listeners will agree is that um, how many books do we read on Guru Nanak Dev? Do you know we read a biography of the Guru, we read about his Gurbani and then at the end in a few lines it said he made Kartarpur blah 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 the end well no, no. And, the yep. books are published written by people who actually have an agenda. Hmm. And they they seem to know that if Kartarpur is mentioned openly, there will be questions along how he did it, why he did it, when he did it, and that would come down to why he did it, you know? And when the why comes along, then the game's up because the reality is uh, exposed that, wait, he's really different to what we have made him out to be. And who is going to do it? We through this podcast or through social media post or uh, in, in such ways, <laughs> we, we can uh, we can just only how do you say provoke people to ask these questions to themselves, orient them on the right path. Yeah, and really, it's up to them how to follow it. I mean, all these years ago, Baba Nanak showed the right path; he lived it. But it was really up to the people who lived like him, who wanted to follow him, to uh, preserve that. And many did, many did not. Well, a, a vast majority did not. Mm, a vast majority definitely did not. And I mean, you see many things happening in Gurdwaras and otherwise today. Ask yourself, would Baba Nanak have tolerated it? It's gone to the extent we've actually made a picture of him tying the Rakri, of getting a Rakri from his uh, sister, when he was dismissive of these uh, rituals. I've just remembered, sorry, uh, I think I'm diverting, yes. sorry. I gave you the example of a painter who broke his brush and never painted again, yeah? Yes. Uh, uh, that was uh, the teacher of Leonardo da Vinci. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Yeah, we had an inquiry about that, that who that individual was. So, yes, that's the teacher of Leonardo da Vinci. Really, as a summary, if you want to be a rebel, I mean, there are a lot of Punjabi singers now who have a glorified rebellion and rebels, and they are saying we need freedom from our oppressive uh, culture. Or, you know, oppressive uh, parenthood or whatever. 
that cycle is always going to keep on continuing because really they're only glorifying violence. They can't step outside the system because the Punjabi system lends them their identity. On the other hand, Guru Nanak stepped outside the caste and the Indic system, the Islamic system, all the systems to establish quite a distinct identity. And that is a real revolution where you need to rebel, you know, from within against yourself to lead any rebellions outside. However, the most dangerous thing you can do is become a rebel without a cause. That's when your inner self is taking over your rebellion. That's not rebelling against yourself. And this glorification of violence in the sequel today is definitely from that spectrum and not from Guru Nanak's end. Do you think uh, the so-called rebels of today or people who are preaching rebellion or they will simply say, pick up weapons and we must be, be the culture of the 18th century and whatever. Hmm. Are they rebels or are they simply jealous hmm. I think they're trying to hold on to a power structure in which they once were uh, quite foremost, but they have no interest in leading any revolution or rebellion of any kind. This this is the point uh, I'm trying to make, and I think uh, that might be a bit controversial, but that's all right. Hmm. People often give the example of the Leap Singh trying to come back to Punjab to reclaim uh, uh, the throne, yeah? Yes. But was he just trying to regain his power or was he trying to serve Sikhi? None? I would say the reason why Professor Gurmukh Singh and the Lahore Singh Sabha opposed him because really at that time they had actually published a book on our politics which had led to the divide in the Singh Sabha but really as Professor Gurmukh Singh continually pointed out to uh, Thakur Singh Sandanwalia a one-man show like Ranjit Singh's had gotten us into the mess in the first place so why would we again try reverting back to such a one-man show? The logic didn't make sense. It was like um, the 1857 mutineers, I think. Yeah, the India, uh, the revolution or whatever they call it, the first war of independence. They wanted to put the Mughals back on the throne. Uh, an emperor who was a rubber stamp that who could be who could be thrown any time, overthrown every time. Hmm. So really, Professor Grimoxin pointed out, why would you go for such an old, a profit rotten system when you could have something much better? We need to think forward, not backwards. And that lead to that split between the Singh Sabha, essentially. And that's essentially what's happening today. We want to hold on to power. So we are going to glorify some things about the religion, which will keep us in power. The point I'm trying to make here is that if, if somebody says, Bagi or Badsha today, Hmm. Are they trying to uh, keep taking forward, keep moving forward with the revolution of Baba Nanak, or they, are they just jealous that it, they don't have power or influence, and they're just trying to be the rulers again because power is a very, very powerful drug? Hmm. That last category you mentioned, that's essentially relevant. That's what it's all about today. Well, of course, yeah. So that's the point I'm trying to make. So if, if somebody talks about Khalsa mm. uh, Rise today, they're not talking about, mm. about continuing Gronanak's mission. Mm. They're talking about being the rulers, sitting on the throne and enjoying uh, all the vices that uh, the missile dars and reducing did. Enjoy it. Mm -hmm. A real person, a real leader in that sense, would actually enunciate, emphasize that the people follow Gurbani and rebel against themselves, free themselves, 
and after mastering themselves, build a society in which they would like to live, not a society which is a, you know, so a reflection of the past. You know, what I'm essentially saying that, you know, you choose your own leaders rather than you choose me. They wouldn't advertise for themselves. All this other lot are subtly advertising for themselves that, you know, once such a society comes along, choose us to lead you, we will have the holes of power. This point or the topic we chose today is so vast, yeah? Mm-hmm. And it diverges into so many subcategories. Mm. It's, it, it requires a series of podcasts or a series of discussions, not even a single one. A single one, a single podcast cannot simply do justice to it. Mm-hmm. It does. It requires, I guess, a whole dedication for a few years, but we can direct people towards researching for themselves and thinking along these lines rather than the conventional lines they've been thinking along. Mm, okay, another another question. Mm. Let's say that Babanana were to come mm. back today, mm. this very day. Yes. What would he criticize the most? I would say that who he would criticize the most would be the Sikhs today. Well, of course. And and uh, you know you know the same old joke that Jesus returns to a church and uh, he said oh I'm I'm yeah, here, here. I'm Jesus I'm here to see how my my Christians are doing and whatever yeah. and uh, well they uh, they don't recognize him I said that's a that's a guy who he's just a cosplayer or whatever just pretending to be Jesus yeah. and they say oh I am the real guy I am Jesus and uh, he hmm. well. Uh, the priest identifies him. He is indeed. And in the evening, the priest just calmly approaches him. Okay, we have taken over. The system is running mm-hmm. fine. Yep. If you try to disturb this, we will put you up on the cross again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the 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 priestly class in Sikhi will do exactly the same to Babanana. Mm, mm, mm. They would try their utmost best to uh, destroy of him. Course. And I guess Baba Nanak was wise enough to realize they would. And that's why he said, Shabad Guru Suratun Chela. His words are still there. Those words are still relevant. It just depends on how we follow them and when we follow them. To, to, to say in Punjabi, when Jado Koi Vi Patkarak, Koi Vi Ragi, Koi Vi Koshvi, Hmm. I mean, look at how much Sharda Baba Nanak destroyed. He went into temples, he went into mosques to argue against them. He wasn't the politically correct individual we have made him out to be. No, 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 no. You have to think, at nine years old, he's destroying the Sharda of his entire family in the Janeo. Mm-hmm. By calling a Hindu or not Turkakana, yeah? Or in, mm-hmm. incorporating yeah. in Gurbani. He's destroying the Sharda of mm-hmm. millions of Hindus and millions of Muslims. Muslims, and- yep. He goes into temples to argue against them. He goes into mosques to argue against them. He goes into Taramsalas, he goes everywhere to argue against them as a buggy. As a, as a buggy. And at nine years old, Baba Nanak uses Tark 
on the Janeu. Mm. And today, mm. we mm. have preached that we should not use Tarak, but we should use Sharda. Sharda. Yep. And look at Baba Nanak. Hey, Baba Nanak destroyed Sharda. If you want Sharda, Sharda in Sikhi is confidence. Have that confidence on yourself. Sharda is in blind faith. Sharda is in blind faith. ਹੂੰ ਇਹ <laughs> 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 and risk his life, risk his identity and everything. And mm. for a Khatri to do farming. Yep, quite, at that time it was seen as being quite against low, the system. Only the low low people do farming because it's, it's, it was akin to slavery, yeah? To labor in the farm all day yes, long. Yes, dis- yep, as we discussed in the Guru Hargobind one that, you know, it denied in a mickle karma. So Baba Nanak's entire life had been a, a rebellion, a, a revolution is the correct word to use it, against the old yes. norms and uh, yeah. against the old uh, systems. Yes, he was a buggy, Taru and Taru. Sikhi was his Bhagavat. Can we preserve that Bhagavat? Can we become those buggies? That's up to us. That's up to us. That's up to us. Until next time then. Wahiguru Jika Khalsa, Wahiguru Jika Khalsa. Thank you.